Thank you once again for joining us for another message from Grace and Faith Fellowship. Now tonight, tonight I want to, I want to tackle a topic that I'm going to just throw the title out there to end the beginning this time. Encouragement for life in a world that's upside down. Encouragement for life in an upside down world. Now, I don't know about you, but does it seem like, you know, things in our world today are upside down? Like, you know, what we used to call wrong, we call right. And what we used to call right, we call it wrong now. Does it seem like deceitful, vindictive, ruthless people, folks that's, that, that's, that are grimy, that, you know, they don't look after the next, the next man's best interest, you know, does it seem like these are the folks that are getting over? Does it seem like, you know, you feel like things are just out of place, out of order? All right. Now, if that's you, I believe a lot of us as believers have, have dealt with this and maybe increasingly so as the days go by. Those of us who are a little more seasoned who remember the way individuals used to used to interact, the way people used to speak, just a lot of things are different. But I do want to provide some encouragement tonight because if you feel this way, know that you are not the only one, all right? Now, what I want to do, I'm going to start from Psalm 73 tonight, Psalm 73. Because the psalmist also dealt with this. And then, and you, as you know, the psalms were written thousands of years ago. So the scriptures already declare that there's nothing new under the sun. So let's go to Psalm 73, and I'm going to read 1 through 7, and I'll be coming from the, the New Living Translation. All right. And it reads this way. Truly God, God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping, and I was almost gone. For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper, despite of their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They are not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace and clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. All right, let me pause there. Okay, now, does that seem familiar to any of y'all? Have you said that to yourself? Have you looked around at some of your friends that you, you know they 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 not about the Lord, they not help about helping people, they about, you know, getting their bag, they're about doing what they gotta do for them. They're about getting over any in every kind of way. But seemingly Things are going well for them. Right? Now, how frustrating that can that be for you 
as a as a believer you you know you're trying to walk with the lord and you're trying to do what you believe needs to be done and it looks like the individuals who are doing the exact opposite are the ones that are excelling they're the ones that are prospering now how discouraging can that be but what i want to do tonight is to help give us some perspective because we need this encouragement because again we live in 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 a a world that is truly upside down okay but if we can have the proper perspective it can help us stay grounded so we can see what true reality is because we got to remember what we up against because the the enemy of our souls is is his job to steal kill and destroy it's his job to deceive to make things look like they're a certain way when they're really not. But if we keep our eyes on this carnal world, this natural world, and, and allow that to be the authority, then our emotions, they're subject to what we see with these eyes instead of what we're seeing with the eyes of our heart. But now I want us to fast forward, though. Now, the same psalmist they 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 wrote one through seven. Let's look at what he says in verses twelve through seventeen. Verses twelve through seventeen, same psalm, Psalm seventy three. Verses twelve through seventeen, he says this. Look at these wicked people, enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. If I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. Now, I'm going to pause here. Now, how many of those of you that are leaders, leaders in your, your families, leaders in you know, your local ministries, have dealt with this? You looking around, you see, you know, folks that you know, you know they're not doing right. You know they, they, they don't have a heart for the people, but it seemed like things are going well. They're, they're prospering, right? And it can mess with your head. And look at verse 15. Again, he says, if I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. You don't want to come across as a person that's not trusting God as a hypocrite. But what you're seeing with your natural eyes don't line up with the way things should be. But look at verses 16 and 17. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper, but what a difficult task it is. Verse 17. Then I went to your sanctuary, O God. And I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Now, what do we see in verse 17? We see a change of perspective, a change of point of view. He says, I went into your sanctuary, O God, and finally understood the destiny of the wicked. That change of perspective helped the psalmist become grounded and refocus 
Now I want to step back because that that's going to be a key moving forward in in our message. I, I I'm not going I'm not going to say I'm not going to be before you long. That's their famous preacher phrase. All right. So I'm not going to say that, but we are, we're going to try to get through this smoothly. All right. Just got three points for you. Some keys for us to maintain the right perspective. To help us to maintain that perspective, that proper perspective. So we, we don't get our hearts, our minds in a place of discouragement. So key one, key number one, is to know the climate that we are in. To know the climate we are in. Key number one to maintaining the right perspective, to keeping ourselves encouraged in an upside down world, knowing the climate that we are in. Now, I want to make a connection with a couple of scriptures here. Okay. So first, we're going to go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 5. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. And they read this way. And the New Living Translation says, You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times, for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful they will consider nothing sacred they will be unloving and unforgiving they will slander others and have no self-control they will be cruel and hate what is good they will betray their friends be reckless be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than god they will act religious but they will reject the power that can make them godly Stay away from people like that. Now look at that. Now this is Paul, the Apostle Paul, talking to his spiritual son, Timothy, and, and giving him a heads up on what things will look like in the last days. Now, as we know, you know, Paul wrote this thousands of years ago, right? So imagine what he saw in his immediate time versus where we are right now in 2022, the progression downward. Do we see people loving only themselves and their money, being boastful and proud? I believe you see that. And, and shamefully, a lot of us can say that we've seen that in ourselves. I'm looking at some of this and I'm like, wow, Lord, forgive me. Because I'm I've been guilty of these things. And look at verse three, they will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. Now imagine. The scriptures declare what? They say, Whatsoever man soweth that he shall also reap, right? Now, you imagine living in a climate where these things are going on. 
even as a believer, if this is the type of interaction you're having with co-workers, so-called friends, family members, if this is the type of stuff that you are encountering on a day-in and day-out basis, it's going to be a lot of pressure on your, your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions to maintain your stance as a believer and try to, to live and react in a godly way. Because this is, this is a putting a lot of pressure on you as an individual. Now, I, I say that because I want to make this connection here. Now, imagine, now this is the climate, right, that we are in. Because if Paul could say that 2,000 years ago about being in the last days, how much more can we say it now in 2022? Now, keep in mind what Paul said. And let's go back to what Jesus said in Matthew 24. Are we going to specifically look at verse 12? Matthew 20, 24, verse 12. Now, I'm going to read this in the, in the King James, and then I'm going to read it in the Passion Translation, okay? Now, in the King James, it says, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Now, that's old English, right? So, iniquity, this, this word is translated as transgression, multitude of sin. And then, the last portion says, The love of many shall wax cold. Wax cold. Or, the word wax meaning simply grow cold. Now, let's look at the Passion Translation here, verse 12. Let's look at this. It says, There will be such an increase in sin and lawlessness that those whose hearts once burned with passion for God and others will grow cold. So you see the consequence of the climate, the amount of pressure, that is being placed on 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 individuals to I, it, it's like you are just think about trying to grow a, a healthy seed in a harsh climate because you put a seed in in topsoil that is getting the proper sunlight the proper water the proper nourishment it, the atmosphere is set for it to, fl to, to flourish and to grow. But yeah, you take that same seed, you put it in cold, dry, windy climate with little to no water. What's going to happen to that seed? It's going to be very hard for that seed to produce. And this is what we can see in our in our world today because the, the the amount of pressure that the the spiritual climate is placing on individuals it is making it more and more difficult for the fruit of the spirit to be seen in in people in general in a general sense so this is why I'm, I, I look at the point 
and, and say that knowing the climate that we are in is a key for us to to maintain encouragement and why as we live in this world is upside down now why do i say that again because think about it in a natural sense just like knowing what the temperature is outside it helps you to prepare to dress yourself for the climate outside so you can so you can be prepared for it so you can do what you do what needs to be done and not be bothered so if that's important in a natural sense, how much more is it important in the spiritual sense? Because what it what it does, understanding the the climate that we're in, it, it helps you to prepare to guard your heart, to be diligent about guarding your heart. It helps us to brace ourselves for the agitations and the delays that are that that will come when going about our day-to-day -day comings and goings. Because, now, let me, let me give a more practical explanation of this, okay? Just, just thinking about, say, 50 years ago. Let's say 50 years ago. You, you go in your neighborhood. Um, you, you talk to some older folks. They'll tell you that it was... People, it was not uncommon for people to kind of to speak to you, to to smile, to open doors, to hold doors open. You know, just these common day-to-day -day courtesy things. Right? You know, this this type of stuff was it was it was expected. Especially if you lived in, in the part of the country where we are now, you know, where I am in Virginia. You know, in other other areas, southern areas, it's like you know, there's a there's an expectation of how you how you interact and treat people, right? You know, just a, a, a common courtesy and kindness. Now, can we say that it's the same way today? Not so much, not so much. Now, thankfully. That's not the case everywhere and with everybody. But I say that to say we as believers, if we understand that we are we are facing an increasing climate of you can almost say the the opposite of the fruit of the spirit. So you know how the fruit of the spirit is listed in Galatians. Kindness, temperance. Joy, peace, love, right? The fruit of the spirit. We are in a climate now where we can... We can almost expect the ex the exact opposite in a lot of the, the places that we go. So with with that type of awareness, what can happen for us? We can make we, it, it 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 helps us to be more diligent about guarding our hearts. 
we can put on the top, the proper clothing when we prepare our, for our day. So how, because think about how foolish is it for me to wear shorts in 20 degree weather? How backwards is it for me to wear a a big bubble coat or what we used to call triple fat goose coats? Like these big bubble coats, like looking when you walk around looking like the Michelin man, it's red, it's, it's for real cold weather, right? Would I wear that in 90 to 95 degree temperature? No. No. So us developing an understanding that as indiv individual people, communities, and world systems become more corrupt and they fail, there's a greater likelihood that we will experience resistance in different areas of our lives. So therefore, understanding this, we can dress properly before we go about our day-to-day -day business. And what this does, it protects us, it helps to insulate us from the offenses that can come, the, the agitations, the frustrations that come when, you know, people say certain things or things, certain things happen. So knowing the climate and the atmosphere helps us to protect our, our, hell, our hearts from offenses from frustrations but again a lot of times we, we you know we we need each other we need each other to remind us to to remind each other to say hey we are living in you know where we are you know what time we're living in so let's make sure we don't spend too much time focused on what we see with these two eyes. Now that's going to lead into point number two. Key number two to staying encouraged in an upside down world is to keep our eyes on the unseen realities. Keeping our eyes on the unseen realities. Because as I said earlier, we go back to Psalm 73. We look at verses 1 through, I mean, I didn't want to read the whole chapter, but if you go down, all the way down to verse 11, the psalmist is looking with his natural eyes. He's observing, he's just making an observation of what he sees amongst the, the people that are, in, in the short term, they are prospering in this life. And they're, they're not walking in the fruit of the Spirit. They're doing the exact opposite. But they're, they seem to be healthy. They seem to be thriving. So what's the trigger? What, what triggered the psalmist in this moment? What triggered him is what he saw with these eyes, with his natural eyes. So what we see with these natural eyes can deceive us. Because the thing about what we can see with these natural eyes is that they're subject to change. Whatever we're seeing with these natural eyes is temporal, is temporary. 
but for us to to be properly prepared to maintain a state of encouragement in the midst of living in an upside down world we are to keep our eyes on the unseen realities keeping our eyes on the unseen realities so what we're going to do now we're going to go to second kings second kings verse 12 and we're going to go down to verse 23 second kings chapter 6 verses 12 to 23 All right, and it reads this way. I'm going to read this. I'm coming from the New King James. And one of his servants said, No, my Lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your king, in your bedroom. So he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, Surely he is in Dathan. Therefore, he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And, there came by, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with, with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master. What shall we do? All right, so we see here that Elisha, the prophet, had trouble knocking on his door right there. And the servant, he sees this with his natural eyes. He's looking like, oh, my goodness. Trouble is right there. Horses and chariots. This great army is surrounding the city it is surrounding them but I want us to look at verses 16 and 17 so he answered do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them and Elisha prayed and said Lord I pray Open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So you see what's happening here. The focus was shifted. The focus was shifted from what the servant could see with his natural eyes. To what he could see with his spiritual eyes opened. He could see that the, the host, the angelic host that was present around Elisha and the servant was greater than that physical army that was that he could see with his natural eyes. And so it is with us. The scripture declares that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But if, 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 that's, if that's the lens by which we're looking at our lives through, then that provides tremendous encouragement for us, regardless of what we face. The scripture declares what? 
perfected, the psalmist David said, the Lord has perfected that which concerneth me. So if God is no, no respect of persons, right? So if it was true for David, it's true for you and me too. So if I'm looking at my trouble, if I'm looking at my the resistance that I'm facing in life through that lens, then that's going to help keep me grounded when the stressors come, when the fiery darts come. That's going to help keep me in a place of peace because I am not looking with only these two eyes, but I'm looking with the eyes of the heart. I'm, I'm seeing what the spirit is saying by way of the scriptures, by way of what the Holy Spirit has revealed to us. Because if the Lord says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. If the scriptures declare the Lord is our shepherd and we shall not want, we shall not want. He maketh us to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth us beside those still and restful waters. He restoreth our soul. He leadeth, leadeth us down the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I will walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thou rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies, and my cup runneth over. Surely, your goodness, the Lord's goodness, and his mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If that's my reality, if that's what I'm looking at life through, that lens, that's, that's what's going to keep you and me. Keep us grounded in an upside down world. This is why the prophet here, he's not freaking out when he sees the horses and chariots. I know the servant is like, you know, you go back to verse 15 and then verse 16. Elisha says, do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, I know in between the space of verse 16 and 17, that serving had to been thinking, man, I, I should have been out in the sun too long. Something going on. Don't, don't he see what's going on here? But why, how could Elisha have that type of peace? Because of that, the interaction he had with the Lord, the, the, the confidence he had. In the unseen realities. So he could see. He understood. That greater was he. That is in. Their midst. Than he that is in the world. That the re the reality of the. Of God's provision. And his protection. Was greater than whatever. That, that physical army he was facing. But now there's something else I want us to to look at too, is we, as we continue to read, because it speaks to how we are called to respond when we face adversity, when we are in situations where people have done us wrong, and the tables flip, and now we are in a position to respond. How are we called to respond? 
Let's look at verses 18 to 23. All right. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Now Elisha said to them, This is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. So it was when they had come to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they saw. And there they were inside Samaria. Now when the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, My father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? Verse 22. But he answered, You should not kill them. Would you kill those whom you have taken captive with your sword and your bow? Set food and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. And then he prepared a great feast for them. And after they ate and drank, he sat them away. He sent them away and they went to their master. So the bands of Syrian raiders came no more into the land of Israel. Now you see the king of Israel asked Elisha, should I kill them? Should I kill them? But how did Elisha respond? Now remember, these men, this army was, was out to get him. They came to his doorstep. Now, what is the natural response to that? You know, you try to, you, you coming for my neck, you trying to get at me. And now I got an opportunity to get back with you. Honestly, the natural in the natural course of action would was supposed to be that the king ordered the death of the enemies right there. But what happened? Mercy was extended. They not only they he he not only let them go, but they were fed, provided for. So what do you think was going on in the minds of the Syrian raiders there? Like, what in the world is going on here? We came to kill this man and, and he providing food and drink for us? Sowing those seeds of goodness into the hearts of these men is showing the mercy of God in that moment. And what does, what does the scripture say? It is the goodness of God that draws men to repentance. That day, the goodness of God was sown in the hearts of those men. And so it is. So it is with us. We had an opportunity in, in, in this type of climate that we're living in now. To, to manifest, to show the goodness of God. And just a little small thing, small ways. It can it can make a, a amplified impact because of the amount of darkness and just and, and negativity that's in our world today. Just imagine the potency of the seed, the potential impact of the seed of your goodness in somebody's life.
because it's, it's, it's diametrically opposed. It is opposed to what people are used to. So when, when the prophet had an opportunity to have these men executed, he spoke the word that they may be provided food and drink. But guess what? Look at verse 23. So then he prepared a great feast for them. And after they ate and drank, he sent them away. And they went to their master. So the bands of Syrian raiders came no more into the land of Israel. So the enemies were sent away. And they, they did not come back. Not because they were slain. Because the goodness of God, the mercy of God was sown in their hearts. And just just think about what happened in the hearts of those some of those men who, who experienced that. So again, this is the opportunity that we have in this climate. Because the darker the environment, the more attention the light is going to get. If you bring light into a very a dark environment, what's going to happen? The attention and the focus is going to grow and be drawn to that light. Now, last key. The last key. Key number three to staying encouraged in a upside down world is to remember our destination. Remember our destination. It's harder to quit when you can see the destination up ahead. Like seeing the guy post on a long journey on the road or like seeing the finish line when you are running a long race or it's like seeing the end zone during a, a long drive football team is, is has, has been laboring to get to the end zone the closer they get the greater the motivation to cross that goal line so if these temporary accomplishments can provide motivation and strength for to continue to fight how much more of a motivation is it for us to see God's promises come to pass in our lives and the lives of those around us both now and for the treasures of the ages to come for the life that is to come so remembering our destination is is another strong key to help us to stay encouraged in an upside down world now i want to close with these scriptures here second corinthians chapter 4 second corinthians chapter 4 we're going to look at verses 11 through 18 in the New Living Translation. And then I'm going to read verse 18 in the New King James. And this is the, the Apostle Paul, you know, in his second letter to the church of Corinth. <clears throat> Starting at verse 11, he says this. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus. So that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, 
but this has resulted in eternal, eternal life for you. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith that the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving. And God will receive more and more glory. <clears throat> Verse 16. This is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. Verse 18 in New King James says, While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So the key to staying encouraged in the upside down world is this, to, to focus our attention, to know our climate, to know the climate that we're living in. to stay focused on unseen realities and to remember our destination. To remember our destination. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. So, so it was with the prophet Elisha. As he was rooted, he was looking at things through the lens of the spirit. He saw into the spirit world. He saw it. That was a reality for him. The troubles that came knocking on his door did not faze him. Why? Because he knew. He knew there was more to his current situation and what meets the eye, the natural eye. And that's the challenge for us today is to continue to remember that there's more to what's going on with us, what's going on with our world and what meets the natural eye. And as we keep our each other encouraged, reminding each other what God promised for us as believers, then we can see his victory in this natural life, in this world, and in the life to come. So that is our charge. That is how we stay grounded in the midst of an upside down world. To maintain our focus on the unseen realities. Maintain the fellowship with the Lord. Maintain the fellowship with the saints that we can keep each other encouraged. Well, we are coming to a close. See, I didn't, I didn't keep y'all small.
All right, it was under 50 minutes. All right. So I, I thank you, as always, for joining us. And let's, uh, we'll end with a word of prayer. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your faithfulness, your word, your great love for us. And I, I ask that all those listening, that they will be encouraged and strengthened by the reality of your love, by the reality of your goodness, by the reality of your presence. Those who belong to you, remind them that they truly do belong to you. And Father, if there's anyone listening who has not yet made that decision, open up their hearts. Allow them to see their need for a savior that they can't be made right in and of themselves. They can't clean themselves up. But you have already offered righteousness, eternal life as a gift through the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus. All they have to do is say yes. I trust you, Lord Jesus. I, I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that God raised you from the dead. Will you be my Lord and Savior? Draw them to that place of repentance and understanding that they may receive the gift of salvation. And Lord, those who do belong to you that are listening. Holy Spirit, draw them towards more time with you, more time in your word, make, making those times more fruitful, making those times even more enjoyable that they may walk boldly and in strength and enjoy this gift of life that you've given to them in the name of jesus i declare the blessing over them and i give you praise father honor and glory for who you are and all you've done in jesus name amen thank you once again for joining us and we'll see you next week